It's the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily podcast on the TCU Horn Frogs, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, welcome into Locked On Horn Frogs, your daily TCU podcast. I'm your host, Stephen Simcox. Uh, let's talk some TCU football here in segment number one. So some news came down yesterday. Traylon Smith, running back out of Arkansas, he hit the portal a few months ago. He committed TCU, and he committed around the same time that Imani Bailey did from Louisiana. Now, Imani was able to enroll in the spring and participate, participate in spring camp. Kendra Miller coming back he'll be the starter presumably going into the season um but smith was supposed to get on campus this summer and then he would be available in the fall to be part of that running back room but yesterday news came down that he's actually going to end up playing for utsa he is committed to the roadrunners now so no longer headed to tcu i'm disappointed i mean like i think tcu's running back room is okay the depth there is fine um kendra miller has been very productive in his few seasons in Fort Worth. Uh, you know, reports out of camp were that Imani Bailey is a guy that's stud and, and can step in and be a change of pace back, be a downhill runner, um, and can do some special things out of the backfield as well. But Smith, coming over from the SEC, he had 598 yards last year. He could also catch the ball in the backfield. Um, at the end of the day, I mean, he never made it. So we're not really going to know what we're missing he could very well go to utsa and have a great season um but i was just excited to see him you know the physicality of him playing uh in the sec that translating the big 12 being able to give those guys a spell now i think something that this also says um because there's reports out there that uh jeremy clark said basically like this was smith had some um academic things he needed to sort out and so he couldn't get on campus as quickly as uh, they expected him to. So I feel like this means uh, they feel pretty good about the running back room. Like maybe if Bailey didn't have a good camp and something was going on with Miller, they would say, ah, yeah, we'll wait. But just the fact that they know, um, okay, things are progressing well. We feel pretty good at this position. Uh, We think we can go ahead and move on. And, you know, best of luck to Traylon Smith and his next adventure. Obviously, it's not going to be at TCU. Another thing that honestly I forgot about, um, but Corey Wren is also on this roster, and Wren was a running back at Florida State. Now, we'll see what he ends up doing at TCU because he came out of high school as an athlete. He was committed to Georgia, ends up flipping to Florida State, stayed there for a couple years, was mainly somebody they used on special teams, kickoff return, but by all accounts is an electric athlete. Is coming to TCU, so he'll be available as well. I don't know exactly how TCU will use him, but if you're worried about, um, you know, needing to help with the running back position, he's still there. And then also you have Amari Mercado, who's there for like year seven, and uh, DeMarco Foster. So there's there's plenty of dudes. I'm not – I don't think uh, TCU's going to hurt for um, guys that can run the ball and be effective – in the backfield. I'm just somewhat disappointed because I was excited to see what he could do, um, what Smith could do for the Frogs. And I I thought he was an intriguing option because of what he could do both catching the football and running the football. But, hey, this is what, you know, this is part of it. You lose guys. Not everybody that commits ends up on campus, even in the transfer sense. Um, So disappointing from that perspective. 
But overall, TCU is set up pretty well at that running back spot. Okay, um, also talking some sort of staying on the roster management recruiting side. uh, Man, the Frogs are really racking it up right now when it comes to 2023 commits. You know, a few weeks ago, they were like ninth in the Big 12. Um, It's still very early in the cycle. But they've, you know, starting with that Cordell Russell ad, the North Mesquite wide receiver, they've kind of slowly added some more talent. And now they're sitting at 20th in the nation, fourth in the Big 12. And um, Zachary Chapman, defensive lineman out of Fort Bend Marshall, he committed. He's a three-star, good size, um, you know, from the Houston area, from Missouri City, Fort Bend Marshall, had offers from Baylor, Boston College, Georgia Tech, others. Um, And he's been a productive player there. So we'll see what he does his senior year. But, again, three-star player, um, number 82nd-ranked defensive lineman in the nation, 119th player in Texas, 6'5", 250. So good frame, good long, you know, athletic frame. Will have have a chance to grow into himself a little bit when he gets on campus and starts working on the strength and conditioning program. And then also Lafayette Caraway, uh, a tight end who TCU had been on for a while. Um, he had offers from Arizona State, Auburn, Baylor, Boston College, Texas, North Carolina. And it looked like he was headed to UT, uh, but he ends up, at least for now, at TCU. And this is exciting. I mean, one, it's getting a guy at the tight end position um, that's a pretty highly rated recruit, which – TCU had some dudes. I mean, like from a just from a um, get off the bus standpoint, a build, a you know, a look standpoint, athletic look standpoint. Like Pro Wells and Artavius Land were some dudes, but the production never really translated on the field. Um, Lafayette's a guy though that was getting recruited by a lot of different places. Uh, there were rumors about him ending up at North Carolina because they had some family ties there. There were heavy rumors about him at Texas, but TCU wins this battle. Now, I think it's important because, for the most part so far, this staff has, you know, last year's class, it was a lot of guys who were SMU commits. They flipped a few other players, but they kind of stayed with some more under-the-radar players. The first couple commits this 2023 class, I would characterize more as players they evaluated that they kind of got in on early in the process. But now, I mean, you're winning some battles. And... I mean, evaluation is a huge part of it, too. Like, you're going to have to find some diamonds in the rough. But the fact that they've landed a few players here that were getting recruited like crazy across the country, um, I think that's just a good sign for the team moving forward. So, in the 247 rankings, they're now up to 20th overall in the nation, fourth in the Big 12. They're, you know, landing some commits. Some official visits are coming soon. I'll actually have more than one official visitor on tomorrow's podcast coming up next though we're going to transition a little bit and we'll talk some tcu basketball um frogs got an unexpected announcement uh last week and so we'll discuss that and also in addition to the roster this is locked on horn frogs part of locked on podcast your team every day all right welcome into segment two of locked on horn frogs a couple things i want to hit on here first um just a note from basketball and this happened a little while back but just sort of resetting this roster. There were some murmurs that Damian Ball might be gone, which to this point, the only real rotation guy TCU had lost was Francisco Farabello to the portal. Now, Ball was exploring the NBA waters. He had until June 1st 
to uh, exit the draft process and come back to school, and he decided to come back. So, I mean, in theory, really your entire team is back for this next season, minus Francisco. Um, You're talking about a rotation with Mike Miles, Eddie Lampkin, Emmanuel Miller, Chuck O'Bannon, Damian Ball. Um, you know, some guys that played big minutes off the bench, like Xavier Cork, Micah Peavy, um, Jacoby Coles is a player that, you know, had some valuable time. And that's a dude that they're excited about. I know a lot of people are down on him, and I understand why. But I just – I don't know why this sticks in my mind so much. But I remember Jamie Dixon talking about him in a pregame interview one time and just discussing how his shot was so pure – and he was out of shape after having a battle with COVID. And they thought he could really turn into um, a big-time score in peace. So there's a ton of excitement. Expectations are going to be sky high. I think they'll be a, a preseason top 25 team, which is great. You're also adding P.J. Haggerty out of high school, um, who is known as a scorer uh, out of the Houston area. So he can come in as a freshman and hopefully take some responsibility off Mike Miles. And then in the transfer portal, TCU landed Rondell Walker from Oklahoma State. And Walker spent two seasons in Stillwater. Um, Another highly rated guy, four-star recruit out of high school. Now, his scoring numbers were not great. He did have some good games against TCU. But overall, he was not a guy that was going to fill it up. Um, One thing he did do really well, though, was defend. So... I mean, you have another long athletic guard who can step in to finish. He's 6'4", 170 pounds. Um, last season only averaged five points and two and a half rebounds. You know, the year before that, he averaged seven points a game, so had a little more juice there in that department. But at the very least, you're getting another guy who can defend uh, on the wings give you a little bit of a change of pace, maybe slash inside and get you some buckets here and there. If he can become a more apt scorer and maybe a change of scenery will help, then that's a big-time addition. Um, I mean, I still have some concerns about this team. I think the season ended with so much promise that right now everybody's just like full steam ahead, let's go, and I agree with that. I mean, I honestly think you could make the argument other than like soccer and men's tennis – Basketball might be the program at TCU that you're most excited about right now with the rifle in there as well. But just from a, you know, returning production, future production standpoint, there's a lot there. Here's my concern. Um, where is the scoring going to come from? Because last year that's where this team struggled. They could always defend, and that kept them in games. But when shots weren't falling, which was frequently – because they don't really have a lot of pure shooters. They don't have a ton of guys that can get their own bucket. Um, It was a team that could really struggle offensively. And you didn't really add much in that department. I think what you're banking on is a healthy Mike Miles coming back. Can he be better? Um, Damian Ball, you know, he's such an athlete, so explosive off the bounce. Can he hone some of that in and get more consistent um, on that jump shot? And then we're talking about a big-time player, big-time scorer. Could Micah Peavy add something to his game? Eddie Lampkin, could he become a true low-post scorer? Or does he add, you know, a mid-range element to his game, which makes him more of a threat from 15 feet? 
and not just somebody that you can sag off of um, when you're playing defense. These are the types of things that I, I think TCU is hoping for. Rondell Walker, could he become more of a scorer in his new uh, environment? Um, P.J. Haggerty, could he immediately come in and, and be a force scoring the basketball? That's what's going to make or break TCU. Now, I mean, if Mike Miles comes in and plays like an NBA guard, that also really changes the dynamic a lot. Because the bottom line was, as good as he was at times last year, it just wasn't super consistent. And I think the wrist injury had to do with that. Um, so that's all big news. That's sort of your primer for TCU basketball in the offseason where we're at. TCU baseball tonight versus Louisiana. Frog's going to start Riley Cornelio. Um, not really shocked by this. I think, you know, sometimes that 2-3 game, you go with uh, your number two or number three arm. But, honestly, like, I think Marcelo might be throwing better than anybody right now. So, it's it's sort of like splitting hairs who you even think is your true ace at the moment. But bottom line is, like, Riley can come in and be a dominant force. And if he's able to do that, if he's able to go six or seven innings tonight and shut down Louisiana, that's huge. That sets you up for the rest of the weekend. This team has to find a way to win. Like, I mean, it's important for everybody to win that first game and get in the winner's bracket, but TCU just doesn't have the pitching depth to fire the loser's bracket. I just don't. Uh, Kirk Sarloose will not be available because of this bogus suspension. <laughs> so bullpen might be sort of a venture, but I will say this. Last time, when he was suspended for the Big 12 tournament, I mean, they really only had a couple hours' notice. Maybe they had longer than we did, but, you know, everyone else found out a couple hours before the game. Maybe having a whole week to know this, hopefully, there's more of a plan in place on, okay, these situations, here we bring it in. Um, we'll see, but it's it's imperative they get a victory tonight, and let's hope that Oral Roberts finds a way to upset Texas A&M in that first game of the day. This has been Locked On Horn Frogs. Thanks for joining me this week. We'll be back again next week. We're part of the Locked On Podcast Network. It's your team and it's every day. Hey, Prime members. You can listen to this Locked On Podcast ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today.